I'm Wayne Turner, and welcome to the daily podcast of Bible Track. I've developed Bible Track to be both a commentary and a daily Bible reading schedule. These podcasts cover the text and commentary, which may be found at www.bibletrack.org. So, for those who have a busy schedule but do have time to listen to the Bible being read, this podcast is for you. At the end of one year, you will have gone completely through the Bible. Today we're going to be reading Deuteronomy chapters 8 through 10. In Deuteronomy chapter 8, Moses is talking to Israel and he says, Don't forget the lessons you've learned. Verse 1. All the commandments which I command thee this day shall ye observe to do, that ye may live and multiply, and go in and possess the land which the Lord sware unto your fathers. And thou shalt remember all the way which the Lord thy God led thee these forty years in the wilderness, to humble thee and to prove thee, to know what was in thine heart, whether thou wouldest keep his commandments or no. And he humbled thee and suffered thee to hunger, and fed thee with manna, which thou knewest not. Neither did thy fathers know that he might make thee know that man doth not live by bread only, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of the Lord doth man live. Thy raiment waxed not old upon thee, neither did thy foot swell these forty years. Thou shalt also consider in thine heart that as a man chasteneth his son, so the Lord thy God chasteneth thee. Therefore thou shalt keep the commandments of the Lord thy God to walk in his ways and to fear him. For the Lord thy God bringeth thee into a good land, a land of brooks of water, of fountains, and of depths that spring out of the valleys and hills, a land of wheat and barley and vines and fig trees and pomegranates, a land of oil, olive, and honey, a land wherein thou shalt eat bread without scarceness, thou shalt not lack anything in it, a land whose stones are iron, and out of whose hills thou mayest dig brass. When thou hast eaten and art full, then thou shalt bless the Lord thy God for the good land which he hath given thee. Beware that thou forget not the Lord thy God in not keeping his commandments and his judgments and his statutes which I command thee this day. Lest when thou hast eaten and art full and hast built goodly houses and dwelt therein, and when thy herds and thy flocks multiply and thy silver and thy gold is multiplied and all that thou hast is multiplied, then thine heart be lifted up And thou forget not the Lord thy God, which brought thee forth out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage, who led thee through that great and terrible wilderness, wherein were fiery serpents and scorpions and drought, where there was no water, who brought thee forth water out of the rock of flint, who fed thee in the wilderness with manna, which thy fathers knew not, that he might humble thee, that he might prove thee to do thee good at thy latter end." And thou say in thine heart, My power and the might of mine hand hath gotten me this wealth. But thou shalt remember the Lord thy God, for it is he that giveth thee power to get wealth, that he may establish his covenant which he sware unto thy fathers, as it is this day. And it shall be, if thou do at all forget the Lord thy God, and walk after other gods, and serve them, and worship them, I testify against you this day, that ye shall surely perish." And the nations which the Lord destroyeth before your face, so shall ye perish, because ye would not be obedient to the voice of the Lord your God. So here we are. As Israel's on the east bank of the Jordan River, Moses continues his monologue of hope and warning to Israel before they go in to possess Canaan. 
They've had some hard times, but they've been on a roll lately because of what God did, not what they did. In this chapter, God clearly establishes that they prospered only through dependence on Jehovah, and that's the only way they will continue to prosper. So why did it take 40 years? Well, that's in verse 2. It says, to prove thee, to know what was in thine heart. Here's the warning. Do right or you'll perish like the nations before you have, in verse 20. In verse 3, Moses refers to the supernatural phenomenon that the Hebrews experienced for 40 years known as manna. In Exodus chapter 16, we see the first occurrence of manna. Jesus quoted verse 3 in Matthew chapter 4, verse 4. It's interesting to note that in Matthew chapter 4, Jesus had just completed a 40-day fast, just as Moses had also fasted his 40 days on Mount Sinai, according to his own testimony in Deuteronomy chapter 9, verse 9. Now, verse 4 is amusing regarding their clothing. It didn't wear out in 40 years. Verse 5 explains God's relationship to his people, then and now. Thou shalt also consider in thine heart that as a man chasteneth his son, so the Lord thy God chasteneth thee. Literally, God chastens his children just as a father chastens a son. Paul makes reference to this in Hebrews chapter 12, verses 6 through 8. It was with chastening that God taught Israel the necessary lessons. So who did the chastening with Israel? Well, God did. Who does the chastening today with believers? Well, again, God does. Incidentally, verse 10 serves as the basis for observant Jews through the centuries to pray at the completion of their meals. They have this prayer that they pray over their food prior to eating it as well. Then comes the warning beginning in verse 11. Beware that thou forget not the Lord thy God, in not keeping his commandments and his judgments and his statutes, which I command thee this day. So what happens if Israel gets a big head and turns from God to the worship of the heathen? Well, they'll fall just like the nations before them fell. It's a guarantee in verse 19 which says, Ye shall surely perish. Moses dedicates the balance of this chapter, verses 11 to 20, to this turning your back on God scenario. Isn't it true of many believers today that, just like Israel, they tend to forget the fact the God's provisions and begin to believe that it was a personal accomplishment on their part instead that brought the success. Finally, there's that word again, the reason why Israel has come to the brink of going in to possess Canaan. The word is covenant, verse 18. In other words, God does not break covenants. This promise goes all the way back to Abraham in Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 through 9, and also Genesis chapter 15. We know it is the Abrahamic Covenant, written an article on that. It's under the topic section of BibleTrack.org. It was in those very chapters that God told Abraham hundreds of years before that Canaan would belong to the Hebrews. In chapter 9, we see Moses is again talking to Israel, and he's telling them, it's not because you're so good. Verse 1, Hear, O Israel, thou art to pass over Jordan this day to go in to possess nations greater and mightier than thyself, cities great and fenced up to heaven. A people great and tall, the children of the Anakims, whom thou knowest, and of whom thou hast heard say, Who can stand before the children of Anak? Understand therefore this day that the Lord thy God is he which goeth over before thee. As a consuming fire he shall destroy them. And he shall bring them down before thy face, so shalt thou drive them out, and destroy them quickly, as the Lord hath said unto thee. 
Speak not thou in thine heart after the Lord thy God hath cast them out from before thee, saying, For my righteousness the Lord hath brought me in to possess this land. But for the wickedness of these nations the Lord doth drive them out from before thee. Not for thy righteousness or for the uprightness of thine heart dost thou go in to possess their land. But for the wickedness of these nations the Lord thy God doth drive them out from before thee. And that he may perform the word which the Lord sware unto thy fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Understand therefore that the Lord thy God giveth thee not this good land to possess it for thy righteousness, for thou art a stiff-necked people. Remember and forget not how thou provokest the Lord thy God to wrath in the wilderness from the day that thou didst depart out of the land of Egypt, and he came into this place, ye have been rebellious against the Lord." Also on horror be provoked the Lord to wrath, so that the Lord was angry with you to have destroyed you. When I was gone up into the mount to receive the tables of stone, even the tables of the covenant which the Lord made with you, then I abode in the mount forty days and forty nights. I did neither eat bread nor drink water. And the Lord delivered unto me two tables of stone written with the finger of God, and on them was written according to all the words which the Lord spake with you in the mount out of the midst of the fire in the day of the assembly. And it came to pass at the end of forty days and forty nights that the Lord gave me the two tables of stone, even the tables of the covenant. And the Lord said unto me, Arise, get thee down quickly from hence for thy people, which thou hast brought forth out of Egypt, have corrupted themselves. They are quickly turned aside out of the way." which I commanded them. They have made them a molten image. Furthermore, the Lord spake unto me, saying, I have seen this people, and behold, it is a stiff-necked people. Let me alone, that I may destroy them, and blot out their name from under heaven. And I will make of thee a nation mightier and greater than they. So I turned and came down from the mount, and the mount burned with fire, and the two tables of the covenant were in my two hands. And I looked, and behold, ye had sinned against the Lord your God, and had made you a molten calf. Ye had turned aside quickly out of the way which the Lord had commanded you. And I took the two tables and cast them out of my two hands and break them before your eyes. And I fell down before the Lord as at the first, forty days and forty nights. I did neither eat bread nor drink water, because of all your sins which ye sinned, in doing wickedly in the sight of the Lord to provoke him to anger." For I was afraid of the anger and hot displeasure wherewith the Lord was wroth against you to destroy you. But the Lord hearkened to me at that time also. And the Lord was very angry with Aaron to have destroyed him. And I prayed for Aaron also the same time. And I took your sin, the calf which he had made, and burned it with fire and stamped it and ground it very small even until it was as small as dust. And I cast the dust therefore into the brook that descended out of the mount. And at Taberah, and at Massa, and at Kibroth Hata'ava, you provoked the Lord to wrath. And likewise, when the Lord sent you to Kadesh Barnea, saying, Go ye up and possess the land which I have given you, then ye rebelled against the commandment of the Lord your God, and ye believed him not, nor hearkened to his voice. Ye have been rebellious against the Lord from the day that I knew you. Thus I fell down before the Lord forty days and forty nights, as I fell down at the first, because the Lord had said he would destroy you. I prayed therefore unto the Lord and said, O Lord God, destroy not thy people and thine inheritance, which thou hast redeemed through thy greatness, which thou hast brought forth out of Egypt with a mighty hand, 
Remember thy servants, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Look not unto the stubbornness of this people, nor to their wickedness, nor to their sin. Lest the land whence thou broughtest us out say, because the Lord was not able to bring them into the land which he promised them, and because he hated them, he hath brought them out to slay them in the wilderness. Yet they are thy people and thine inheritance, which thou broughtest out by thy mighty power and by thy outstretched arm. Now remember, they're on the east bank of the Jordan preparing to take their land. It's the land of Canaan. Perspective is important right now. The Hebrews must understand the secret of their success. Now, here are Israel's marching orders in verses 1 and 2. They say, Hear, O Israel, thou art to pass over Jordan this day, to go in to possess nations greater and mightier than thyself, cities great and fenced up to heaven, people great and tall, the children of the Anakims, whom thou knowest and of whom thou hast heard say, Who can stand before the children of Anak? Hmm, Anak. Where have we seen that name before? Oh, well, back in Numbers chapter 13, verse 33. That's when the spies are reporting having seen the inhabitants of Canaan 38 years ago. Here's what they said. And there we saw the giants, the sons of Anak, which come of the giants. And we were in our own sight as grasshoppers. And so we were in their sight. Oh, yeah, that's the race of giants that scared them so badly back then 38 years ago. Okay, Israel, you've been experiencing success, but let's keep our proper perspective. So, Israel, here are the reasons you're experiencing victory up to now. Number one, God promised your forefathers. And number two, the nations before you are wicked. Now, I'm always careful about drawing parallels between Israel and the United States. Israel was a clear theocracy, literally led by God through Moses. Now, the United States is a democratic republic led by the whims of the ever-evolving mindset of the majority. Even when our country was new and God-fearing, our former government was in no way similar to that of Israel's. However, a clear lesson stands before us in this chapter regarding the success and failure of nations, as we see in verse 4. It says, But for the wickedness of these nations, the Lord doth drive them out from before thee. In other words, those nations displaced by Israel in Canaan fell because of their wickedness and because of their disregard for God. It's not a scriptural stretch at all to say that our country's evolving mindset away from the God of our founding fathers is a move that nations before us discovered led to their disaster. As a matter of fact, the wickedness of the nations in Canaan, that wickedness is cited as the reason they had to be displaced, and we find that in Leviticus 18, 27, and 28, and again in Leviticus 20, verse 23, and it's clearly stated there. So Moses goes on to say to Israel, Are you thinking God has given you success because you're so good? Well, no. Furthermore, not only are you not good, you are a rebellious and stubborn people. Moses says, I got proof. And then he lists the proof. Proof number one was that golden calf episode back in Exodus chapter 32. He brings that out in verse 8. Uh, proof number two, that spy episode he mentions in verse 23. He's talking about back in Kadesh Barnea in Numbers chapter 13. 
And then number three is that fire episode. He mentions it in verse 22, Taborah. Read all about it in Numbers chapter 11. Proof number four is the water episode. He mentions that in verse 22, also otherwise known as Massa. In Exodus chapter 17, verse 7 is where you can read about that. And then number five, proof number five, that quail episode. Verse 22, find that in Numbers chapter 11. So notice what he says in verse 24. You have been rebellious against the Lord from the day that I knew you. Now, he's just not going to let them forget that, is he? Well, proper training does include remembering what happens when we do the wrong thing, doesn't it? Notice how he speaks of these massive displays of God's wrath by their place names. It's like a references to Pearl Harbor or the Alamo or perhaps the World Trade Center. These names speak to us about an event more than just a geographical location. However, some of these places in chapter 9 actually received their names from the tragic events that took place there. So if they're so rotten, why bother to deliver them into the prosperity of Canaan? Here's the case Moses made before God in verse 27. Remember thy servants, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. (laughs) It's really a grace thing, according to verse 29, when he says, Yet they are thy people, and thine inheritance, which thou broughtest out by thy mighty power, and by thy stretched out arm. Hey, Israel may have some flaws, but they are God's people. Incidentally, we do see in verse 9 that Moses fasted for the period of 40 days when he ascended Mount Sinai over in Exodus chapter 24, verses 12 to 18. You'll recall that Jesus had fasted for 40 days in Matthew chapter 4. Moses says to Israel, you've got the tablets, but you need a heart transplant. Verse 1, at that time the Lord said unto me, Hew thee two tables of stone like unto the first, and come up unto me into the mount, and make thee an ark of wood. And I will write on the tables the words that were in the first tables which thou breakest, and thou shalt put them in the ark. And I made an ark of shittim wood, and hewed two tables out of stone like unto the first, and went up into the mount, having the two tables in mine hand. And he wrote on the tables according to the first writing the Ten Commandments, which the Lord spake unto you in the amount of the midst of the fire in the day of the assembly. And the Lord gave them unto me. And I turned myself and came down from the mount and put the tables in the ark which I had made. And there they be, as the Lord commanded me. And the children of Israel took their journey from Beeroth of the children of Jeachan to Masera, where Aaron died. And there he was buried, and Eleazar his son ministered in the priest's office in his stead. From thence they journeyed unto Gudgoda, and from Gudgoda to Jotboth, a land of rivers of waters. And that time the Lord separated the tribe of Levi to bear the ark of the covenant of the Lord, to stand before the Lord, to minister unto him, and to bless in his name unto this day. Wherefore Levi hath no part nor inheritance with his brethren, The Lord is his inheritance, according as the Lord thy God promised him. And I stayed in the mount, according to the first time, forty days and forty nights. And the Lord hearkened unto me at that time also, and the Lord would not destroy thee. And the Lord said unto me, Arise, take thy journey before the people, that they may go in and possess the land, which I swear unto their fathers to give unto them. 
And now, Israel, what doth the Lord thy God require of thee? But to fear the Lord thy God, to walk in all his ways, and to love him, and to serve the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul. To keep the commandments of the Lord and his statutes, which I command thee this day for thy good. Behold, the heaven and the heaven of heavens is the Lord's thy God, the earth also with all that therein is. Only the Lord had a delight in thy fathers to love them, and he chose their seed after them, even you above all people, as it is this day. Circumcise therefore the foreskin of your heart, and be no more stiff-necked. For the Lord your God is a God of gods, and Lord of lords, great God, a mighty, and a terrible, which regardeth not persons, nor taketh reward. He doth execute the judgment of the fatherless and widow, and loveth a stranger in giving him food and raiment. Love ye therefore the stranger, for ye were strangers in the land of Egypt. Thou shalt fear the Lord thy God, him shalt thou serve, and to him shalt thou cleave, and swear by his name. He is thy praise, and he is thy God, that hath done for thee these great and terrible things which thine eyes have seen. Thy fathers went down into Egypt with threescore and ten persons, and now the Lord thy God hath made thee as the stars of heaven for multitude. Well, in this passage we see that Moses continues with a history lesson regarding Israel's last forty years through verse 11. In verses 1 through 5, he discusses the giving of the Ten Commandments, which he subsequently placed, according to him, in the Ark of the Covenant. Then Moses gives a partial list of their wanderings during the years of chastisement in the wilderness. Now, the complete list is found in Numbers chapter 33. After his abbreviated history lesson on Israel's disobedience, Moses says plainly all that God requires of them for success in Deuteronomy chapter 10, verses 12 and 13. Here's what he tells them. And now, Israel, what doth the Lord thy God require of thee, but to fear the Lord thy God, to walk in his ways, and to love him, and to serve the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, to keep the commandments of the Lord and his statutes, which I command thee this day for thy good. Well, that seems like a pretty simple proposition, doesn't it? Yes, but such a commitment toward God is best accomplished through having a personal relationship with God not just by blind obedience. And that's exactly what Moses calls for in verse 16 when he says, Circumcise therefore the foreskin of your heart, and be no more stiff-necked. Yes, that's figurative language. It speaks of an authentic spiritual relationship with God. You see, a true relationship with God, it's a heart thing. It's not a compliance thing. That was true then as well as now. A personal relationship with Jesus Christ through salvation by faith must precede compliance as a condition for eternal life. Compliance just doesn't bring eternal life. Salvation by faith does bring eternal life. Titus 3.5 says it well when it says, Not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to His mercy He saved us by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost. Moses makes the point that was true with Israel as well as with believers today. When you have a faith relationship with God, compliance follows naturally. Well, here's some good news. There's a plug in there for us non-Jews, strangers, in verse 19. Israel is commanded to love us, unless, of course, you happen to be an inhabitant of Canaan. 
This concludes our podcast for today. I'm Wayne Turner, and if you'd like to read along with our commentary online, go to www.bibletrack.org. Thank you for listening in today. The background music for these podcasts is an original composition written by the music director of Faith Bible Church, Paul Walton.